So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. another episode of the running rugby podcast and round one lee i know what you love it when i say this it's in the books not only for, in for, the books not only for super rugby for but for the six nations as well and we got our first taste getting back on the tipping leo and i mean you and i we, we did all right there like we we didn't top we didn't top the super group picking but you know we're in what third fourth it's reasonable we solid hold, hold a solid start high. build yeah. a foundation it's good Exactly, um, you might you might be missing the distinct note of uh, depression coming out of Toby. That's because he's didn't do it as well as us. He's he's off uh, rewatching a few of these games, trying to study up, see where he went wrong. It's got a lot of catching up to do already. Classic Toby. <laughs> but of course, I mean, most things seem to go as we thought they would this weekend. Obviously, one big big upset up there in Japan, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, let's start off, and we started off in Auckland, and I was at this game, first ever Eden Park experience, and I've got to say, it was pretty good, it was a good hit out, definitely thought the Blues were coming out strong, doesn't that start thing, looked like they had themselves together, but, mm, Chiefs, it's those, it's those impacts off the bench, isn't it, that really change a game. Yeah, game of two halves, I'm sure you're enjoying the facilities there in, in Auckland, uh, warming him up for when I get over there later in the year. Uh, definitely the Blues gave the fans something to cheer about in the first half, looking really strong. But then, uh, yeah, some uh, classic veteran performance from Aaron Cruden, strong with the boot, leading the team around. And as you said, the impact subs off the bench really really tipped it the other way, and the Chiefs came back strong. That Warren Gatlin influence, the strength of, of mind and, and uh, patience to stay in the game. Really, uh, really did it for them. And the, unfortunately, the Blues lose another game at home uh, to start the season, and probably not what they needed for their fan base. No, definitely not. There was a bit of disappointment in the air, especially after starting so strong, up nineteen five at the half, and then the Chiefs come crushing back um, through some good work, like you say, Aaron Cruden masterminding a, a pretty good try out wide to Solomon Alamalu late in the piece and. Yeah, the Chiefs take it home by eight in the end with a late ditch um, penalty goal, thirty-seven to twenty-nine. And we did talk about uh, the fact that Damian McKenzie would start at fullback. I think he got he got scratched then yeah. uh, later in the week. Yeah, and was a bit surprised to not see Alamalo step into fullback because we had seen a bit of him there previously. Mm. But obviously, when he got his opportunity, he took it with both hands. And maybe maybe if Damian McKenzie remains out of sorts this week. We might see a bit more of him, see a bit more of Solomon Alamalo from the start of the game. Yeah, potentially. I, I don't know whether they just want to develop him into a bit more of a specialist winger if you know that McKenzie's going to hold that 15 jersey a bit more because he, he definitely knows how to finish that boy. I don't think it hurts to have some of that like flexibility in your back three, though. Really, I find, aside from maybe some of the um, extra little playmaker skills in a 15 or some of those 
freakish diving winger mm. put downs. Like there's not too much between your fullback and your winger these yeah, days. True. You want them to be fairly interchangeable. Uh, but but agreed. He's I mean he's explosive wherever he is. Get him in some space. He's a uh, he's a really good ball runner. You know, very tall, fast guy. Um, good step on him. He's he's uh, a hard one to take down. Yeah. I mean, the Blues, as we said, had a few sort of impressive showouts. I think um, Stephen Perifetta got the initial start at 10, a guy we didn't see much of last year because of injury. But he's a bit of a dynamic sort of running um, number 10, also plays a bit of fullback. And I, th- I think he stood up pretty well in this game. I think it was more in the forwards where they sort of fell down a little bit, especially in that second half. But the likes of Perifetta, TJ Fiani at 12 had a good game. And their English import, um, Marchant, Joe Marchant, out at 13, also also doing well. And those guys all combined together in the end to set up Rico. Got two tries in the first half here. Yeah, that's right. He, another player we knew would be a, a strong uh, force, and, and they'd look to get the ball too. Um, but I guess, you know, a, a big first half, maybe a bit of overconfidence. Uh, came into that second half and just got shaken up. Mm. Um, did... Did they? They did score that try on on half time, so they would have been pretty, pretty pumped heading yeah, into the sheds. Exactly. Um, but yeah, now it gets a bit hard. I mean, the Blues obviously losing that one now have to travel over on the road to Australia to take on the Tars, um, and the Chiefs get to head back home to Hamilton. But they've got a Crusaders team that we'll talk about a bit later, but is is looking pretty dominant just just like years past. Um, but before we get to that, let's let's go to probably, I think you'd agree, Leo, it was probably the game of the round down there at GIO Stadium in a bit of blistering heat, um, really feeling this, this half an hour earlier kickoff time, but the Brumbies v the Reds, and we talked about it, we talked about the, the rookie tens, Lolesio and Isaac Lucas going head-to-head here, um, possibly a Wallabies 10 jersey up for grabs, um, and they both played very well, but... Lalesio probably um, got the pip on his his opponent and helped the Brumbies to a, a good win here, twenty seven twenty four. Yeah, Lalesio looked really good. I um I hadn't seen a lot of him before, but he looked just very steady. Uh, used his used his teammates well. They they did a lot of um, simple set piece uh, stuff early. They ran Carter at at the, at the ten at Lucas a lot early on. Put, I think four different hit ups straight into the Reds 10 channel, uh, which Lucas managed pretty well. Um, but it sort of set the pace. They just they just made sure they were they're very direct. The forwards were really well drilled. They were always crossing the gain line. Like the Reds were not poor in defence by any means. The Brumbies just had this momentum of a, a a pack that you know knows knows how good they are. Knows that they just need to roll with you know quick phases, um, and and just looked really solid. That early early points um to the to the brumbies you know set things up but the reds kept chipping back and it was very to and fro through the game um i think the over overall the brumbies just looked like the more steady cohesive side the reds just showed a few few signs of um discontinuity uh you know a few new players in the mix and a few situations where ball went to ground and they just lost the momentum that they'd been building is there anyone... I mean, we were a bit concerned, really only with the locks in the Brumbies forward pack. That's where they lost the most. But Darcy Swain, Murray Douglas, around the field, they seem pretty good. Few few hiccups in the line out there, but 
other than that, they they seem like they're well and truly up to the task. Yeah, there weren't standouts. They they didn't um, sort of do anything particularly game-breaking in and of themselves. But I think, you know, you, you can have various types of locks and, and they're just going to be the the doers, just the just grinding it out. They're, they're not going to be, um, you know, making huge maul uh, steals like Rory Arnold used to crawl through there and, and break things down for the opposition. Then they're, they're not quite that frame. They're just going to be, you know, steady ball carriers, making sure the line-out uh, players are able to do their bit. Um, they've got plenty of assets there in in the Brumbies forward pack. They don't need to step up and be the number one dog. So um, they've got time to develop. It's really good when you when you only have a little bit of turnover in your different groups. So your front, if your forward pack and your your back line, you've got room to develop those guys amongst some established uh, other players, some senior players. And you know because it hasn't been wholesome change, I think that's why the Brummies look to be continuing good form from the 2019 season. Mm. Is there one player you want to highlight in the Brumbies team that you're most most impressed with? I mean, there were a lot of standouts with obviously Banks getting that uh, late try going on his textbook, um, or his trademark sort of run back on the inside next to the right and uh, just burning the opposition. Yeah, look, Banks again picking up from last year. Um, cutting through the line and, and stepping his way to a try late in the game. That was really good. Um, also, we saw the classic Falau Fainga off the back of the mall. We thought it might have come a bit earlier, but the Reds shut it down. Uh, he did get there in the 57th minute. And that was really, I thought that was set up by Rob Valentini, who just peeled around the side of the mall and just set up the next um, role and, and, and got most of the Reds players caught in the backfield then. Uh, so credit to him. He's, he's hopefully going to have a a big season, hopefully injury-free, uh, can cement his claim on a on a Wallabies back row spot or maybe a a, a bench spot, which he, he couldn't quite pin down last year. Um, Lalesio, though. Lalesio still, to me, stands out as um, someone who I didn't expect as much out of and just looked really steady. Um, again, we're coming off a, a season of a resurgent Christian Leliafano, not an X-Factor type player, not a Quaid. Um, not a not a Bowden, just just a you know a steady set of hands, good 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 passes out in front, mm. directing traffic well, and he's just looks really solid. The kicking game's there, yeah. Um, good decision that, that making. I think That's was, really was pretty impressive. Yeah, just smooth distribution, and you know had a couple of little um, little bits of his game. He got a pilfer in there as well. He, he had that brilliant wide pass where he he really sort of redirected and and. Um, targeted the, the far what was it the left winger um, in his channel on the counter-attack so he injected himself from from the back through the wide cutout pass early really set up that that later try hmm. um, look it's all, all good signs for the Brumbies that's something which that was a an unknown for them this season would they have a, a, a super rugby level 10 uh, first game in uh, against very much competent opposition I, I think they've got a really good option there so I hope they stick with him and give him the full benefit of uh, the doubt to, to have a really good go at cementing it for himself yeah I'd also just mention Tom Wright as well had a very impressive game um, guy who showed flashes last year whether it be on the wing or in the centers um, yeah looked looked like he's a strong ball runner and looks like he's taking his game to a, a bit of a new level um, but you had a bit of a hot take about 
some of the Reds players, some of the guys you were touting a potentially upset and taking Wallabies jerseys? I do. I've got big raps on Harry Wilson, um, who I think is absolutely in the frame to to make a Wallabies debut later in the year. Um, after seeing the Re- the Rebels game, which we will talk about soon, um, and seeing Issy Nicerani back in, very involved, you know, looking solid, but maybe having some difficulty uh, really making his mark on the game when the rest of the team's looking pretty dysfunctional. And then you have this this young upstart number eight, Harry Wilson for the Reds, and just looking absolutely in place, confident, strong running the ball, uh, making great tackles, putting a lot of pressure on the uh, attack with a, with a you know the rush up the fence that the Reds are, are still working on this year. Um, good good ball handling skills off the back of the scrum, reaching out, scoring a try for his for his debut game. All really good things, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, as much as I think Izzy Nicerani is a top quality number eight, um, if he isn't able to show his wares with this Rebel side, which I, I'm tipping will struggle this year, they just don't seem to have the cohesion they they should have as a group of quite elite players. I think Harry Wilson can absolutely come in and potentially even get a raw pick straight off the bat for the Wallabies uh, tipping Izzy Nicerani. It's a, it's a long shot, but that's why it's a hot take, Arch. I'm, I think uh, of a good Super Rugby season, mm. you can uh, absolutely lay claim to that. And it's it's a fresh year. You know, this is the start of the four-year cycle. If uh, Dave, if Rennie wants to um, start with some youngsters early and really embed them in a team and put his own mark on, he, he might really like the look of Mr. Wilson. Um, yeah, man, that's that's a very hot take. I mean, one game of Super Rugby in, and he's already secured himself a gold jersey. But I got to agree, he does he does look very good, and he's the right frame, and he looks like he's determined. So if he can keep that up for the year, definitely might might see him get himself a piece of gold. I want to I want to know what you think. I mean, we talked a little bit about the tens. Isaac Lucas look didn't do anything that would make people too worried about himself. As you said, defended quite well. Had a couple of good sort of takes in there. I want more. What do you think about this centre pairing, the O'Connor Patea? Two obviously big names, one sort of returning and trying to make a bit more of a comeback um, into Super Rugby, and Patea, obviously the young gun, um, everyone's hotness from 2019. How do you think they sort of lined up together? I, I thought they were not not poor. I thought they were maybe underutilised, maybe um, possibly with just that lack of. Um, communication and, and a few set piece plays uh, breaking up. Uh, I think they they probably missed their opportunities to really make a big mark. Patea got a few balls with a bit of space and, and made good meters and you know tried to get to the gain line, drive his drove his legs. He's still very strong as a ball carrier. Um, and James O'Connor I think played more of the distributor role. Didn't have mm-hmm. too many runs. Uh, stepped in at ten on on the offside to to Lucas a couple of times. I think they're still finding their way, but I think just the 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 base level of talent and class that is in those two guys, I think that absolutely can develop into a really strong partnership. Like to me, it has the potential of like a crotty Goodhue combination where you can have a guy who can hit the ball up at twelve, but he's also a good distributor, and you've got a really strong ball runner who who has good pace and and maybe that offload 
um, that can set up the wingers and the overlapping outside backs. Mm. Um, I think there's there's good mixture there. They're not the same type of player. They bring different elements of their game and just some time together. Like these guys didn't even really get to play together last year. We, we yeah. didn't see O'Connor coming into the uh, centres till late, and he was at 13. Pateo was coming off injury. It's a really it's a fresh start for them. But uh, like I said, fundamental skills there and and ability is excellent like mm. you know give me two raw players like that and and let's mold them into a strong uh, strong center pairing yeah i think they've got plenty of potential this year yeah you say crotty good hugh i almost could almost say the same i mean it's it's a bit of those classic sort of combinations same as like having Hoare and herbert type of thing one a bit more playmaker one a bit more sort of bustling runner but you're right they do look like they have the goings if they can form that partnership. Are you still tipping Reds to top the Australian Conference after that? Yeah, I think this definitely played out as I'd imagined. That I, I thought the Reds, while very competitive, would probably struggle first round away from home against the Brumbies, the other team I'm tipping to be at the top of the conference. So the fact that they were competitive, they had the lead for a period there, um, but then you know obviously got got overrun by the the better form outfit. I think that that's pretty much right where I thought they'd be, mm-hmm. that they'd be competitive. And when we see them at home against these teams, uh, hopefully they've had that those few more weeks to gel, develop a few more moves, of a bit better understanding of each other's games. And they're absolutely going to shake up these, these Australian sides when they come to Ballymore for sure. Yeah, all right. Let's move on and go overseas to South Africa uh, first. Yep. Sorry, can I say one more thing? Yeah, of course you can, mate. This is your podcast. You say what you want. No, no, no. I want, I want to talk about depth. Uh, I want to talk about depth as well. Um, Brumbies, depth looks good. De- like, depth off the bench, they had the the extra guys to bring on to really boost their, their late second half uh, energy, and, and they, they didn't really fall off at all. I, I thought the Reds, aside from probably you know the backup hooker so bpa had to go off with injury early alex murphy came on i actually think murphy's probably the better mm-hmm. uh, hooker but obviously they had a preference early on to to get the bigger bpa in there murphy looked great uh, and the scrum really dominated once he came on but when the reds second string front row came in um it, it just didn't look like a, a super rugby grade uh front row it, it it really struggled and i know those guys are brand new to super rugby they're they're not um they've lost uh uh one of the smith brothers mm-hmm. that you know they just don't have that same depth off the bench and i think that was the probably the one distinguishing feature that i would say the reds uh lack to the brumbies oh, the reds look like a great team starting 15 but they've got a they've got to develop a bit more depth which they've been very good at in the last two seasons they've been good at bringing these young guys through and getting them playing at the same level as the starters so, again, more time. Uh, that's something they really need to focus on. They, they can't afford to have that drop-off at the 50-60 minute mark. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I mean, they had Rodar. I think it's mainly their front row, their props in particular, that you're, you'd yeah, be worried yeah, about. That's Yeah, that's definitely where you'd be a bit worried because the likes of Rodar, Uru, the new sort of back row, looked like he had some skills there. Sarovi's more than um, capable there as well. But, yeah, up front there they're going to have a bit of a harder time. All right, we'll go over to Durban and Shark Park over there. Um, Sharks taking on a Bulls team that, you know, gave us a little bit of a 
flashback to past days, these bulls. Um, past years. Past years. The, Go way back. The team of Mornay Stain. Um, Sharks, I mean, what can you say? They scored two tries to nil. Mornay Stain kicking all the points for the bulls, taking drop goals when he got close. And it's a long cry from the this running team um, that we saw last year um, with the likes of Speed and Jesse Creel out there and Andre Pollard taking mm. on the line. And, I mean, they've also lost a lot in the forward, so they didn't have that go forward. But, yeah, they just don't look like they have the goods compared to a Sharks outfit that has tolerated a bit of that loss. And the likes of Coe and Bosch is just, uh, just adds an extra element the more they stay in car. Yeah, we highlighted Bosch in the, in the preview, said he'd be a critical player, and, and he proved just so. Um yeah, this is this is a flashback to literally ten years ago, I think, with Mornay Stain just just kicking and kicking, and they take the penalties, and it's a shame because I think the Bulls had uh, a really good group there last year. I think I don't think I'm getting this right. I think they were the team I had the most uh, support for in the South African ranks. The Storm was really hard to pick. I kind of I kind of felt like I should like them, but it was actually the Bulls and and guys like Jesse Creel. I thought were really important and really impactful players. And this just seems to have regressed to a, a style of rugby that with the new rules that are trying to get us to run the ball and take chances, I just feel like if they're going to go and kick drop goals and, and penalty goals for 80 minutes, they're just not going to be able to keep up. Um, you need guys like Kerwin and Bosch who can, who can open up the, the defense and, and create more opportunities. And they've got some quite talented outside backs. Like they've, they've still got Cornell Hendricks. They've got Roscoe Speckman, who's pretty... Uh, blitz when he needs to be. They've got Warwick Gallant, who um, joke, we we do joke a bit about Warwick Gallant. Warwick Gallant, but, uh, but he's not bad. Um, he's he's not as dynamic as a lot of the other players we we prefer and in, in the South that make the South African national team say. But um, you know, there's still some guys there who can who can unleash and and create more of a running style of game, but with Mornay staying at 10, I feel like the opposition are going to understand exactly what they're up against. And, you know, you, you pin them back in their half and if they're not going to play expansive rugby, well, they're probably just going to kick it back to you. And then teams like the Sharks, who are featuring Bosch and Esterheisen and Arm and Kossi and Mapimpi, like they've just got attacking weapons all over the place. Yeah. Uh, a lot of whom are Springboks and those guys are just going to run it back at you and, and love that you're feeding them ball. So... Yeah, it feels like the Bulls, with this style and, and this focus on the penalties and drop goals, if that's just a, it's just chiselled into the bones of Mornay Stain, that that's that's how you play rugby. Um, mm. Hopefully, they don't get too uh, bogged down in that style this year. I think they need to look for other ways to score. Yeah, and it is also the forwards. Like the Sharks, still have that mentality that their forwards will pick and go and do offloads and do a little interplay with the forwards, which is a confidence I don't think the Bulls quite have at this stage. Um, yeah, to be I, honest, I don't know any of the Bulls' starting pack. I don't think I could name one of them. Yeah, that's fair enough. Which is, uh, I, I, Maybe they're coming from a fairly um, rookie base as well with, with the turnover post-World Cup. Um, so, yeah, I guess if they get a better platform, maybe there's more room to have that expansive attack. I just hope it's in Mornay Stain's... Uh, his wheelhouse to, to really you know mm. open open up his other players and feature them. I think they they need to invest and give Marnie Leboc um, a bit more of a go there at ten. I think he's a guy that 
look, he's not as polished as Mornay Stain. He's probably not going to um, play that territory game, but he's a guy that can create stuff, and he's a guy that will bring a lot of those backs into the game um, a bit more and open up a bit more space, I think. It's just a bit more of X-factor to him. But yeah, Bulls, Bulls definitely don't don't look like they have what it takes at this, at this stage. It may have just been a conservative uh, selection to start the season. Um, but yeah, I'd much rather see a team start with an expansive 10 that's there to you know, try and take the game by the scruff early. And then if you need a game manager like Mornay Stain to come in late uh, and just keep things under control... Uh, he's probably not going to recover if you're well behind, but if you were well behind already, like, was he was he going to get you ahead with his skill set? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's keep moving. We'll go to game. Bit of an upset here, and the Sunwolves up there in Tokyo. Sorry, the Sunwolves up there in Fukuoka hosted the Rebels, and as you'd expect, a lot of tries scored in this game. Nine tries, um, but it didn't quite go the way you thought, and the Sunwolves started strong, and in what we saw is a brand new look team. I think only one or two sort of players still remaining there, but yeah, brand new look, a brand new um, bit of a mercenary team, if I'm honest, uh, with the likes of um, Garth April, with the likes of James Dargaville, Ben Teo. Look, they've got a huge amount of people from all over the world South Africans, Kiwis, Australians, English, and they put it together, and for a team that's only been together a couple of weeks, they started strong, and they just didn't really give the Rebels a chance to get into this one. Yeah, they they somehow, with a whole new cast and a whole new coaching staff, managed to look like the Sunwolves of last year, which is really impressive. They've maintained that style. Um, hats off to GJH Liebel, who's in our pod pool and tipped this within five points. Which is pretty impressive because I think only the person majority... that would tip the Sunwolves, amazing. Well, but even just you know he tipped them by you know a small margin. We had uh, more than half of us were out by double figures onto the Rebels. So yeah, uh, Toby with a twenty-three point margin, which didn't work out so well. Um, so you know that's 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 well done. He's seen something in this team that we haven't. Uh, I was pretty down on them. I honestly, if I was a a gambling man, I probably would have been putting the money on the, you know, likely to to win one and a half or fewer games this year. But you know, I I dare say they they've got the potential to rattle a few weaker teams. And with a lot of the uh, a lot of the teams in the competition in that rebuilding stage, uh, anyone could be caught unaware. We rebels certainly were. They they have a, a lineup and a roster that really shouldn't be taking lessons from anyone based on the experience in the ranks and mm. they absolutely got wiped early. They they played themselves back into it, but they really were in, in the in the depths for pretty much the entire game. Yeah, and I gotta say I think the backbreaker here was right at the start of that second half. The Rebels looked like they were in for a bit of a game. They were spreading the ball wide early, got it out to Kellaway, obviously coming back, um, goes for the chip, everyone's running through, and then Dargaville dark horse there coming out from the Brumbies just takes it stops on a dime turns around and sees open field in front of him and just turns on the blasters and just um outruns everyone and that just that hurt I think that hurt the Rebels a lot to um see that coming out trying to start positive and just yeah Mm. suddenly you've got another seven points on you yeah and the Rebels coming in off half time 
thirteen to twenty two, and that if that that try that could have been a try, um, it quite easily that could have been a try to Andrew Callaway, um, and you know you look at the fourteen point turnaround potentially that it yeah. turned into, um, just just crushing for the Rebels. But I just had this feeling to start the season. I just don't have a lot of faith that even though they've got this, you know, potentially depending on how you want to view it, like they've got a star cast of representatives and and put you know good good talented players they've got some depth like they've always had a wealth of backs and that they've picked up some some strong bench players guys like michael wells they've got ruin smith still got luke jones he's coming off the bench like picked up andrew deegan from the force like they haven't got any um you know depth issues but they definitely have issues converting their talent into into points and into into like teamwork but like it just seemed like a, a bunch of disparate individuals still, and I just don't know what's going on. I I think we might have been right when we sort of talked about which coach might be under pressure earliest. I still feel like um, Dave Wessels That's has, a good way you know, to start off with people questioning your job at the start of the season, losing to the Yeah, Rebels. Yeah, but like he's been able to build this roster once he came across from the force, and he, you know, he's had all sorts of acquisitions, like no shortage of of talented guys jumping on board and what have what has he got to show for it like they really need to turn it around they need to get yeah. hopefully that's that's the game to rouse them back um to to you know this shouldn't have been a holiday this should have been round one big match don't get surprised yeah they got surprised yeah and he was coming out saying this is the year look we have to make the postseason make the playoffs this year um and sort of talking up these boys and then and, like, I don't want to take anything away from the Sunwolves. They they put it together really well and they took advantage here, but it was just quite poor play a lot of the time from the Rebels. Both in attack, they seemed quite one-dimensional. I don't really think Tamua is the best 10. He's just... He's not quite the distributor that you need to unlock the rest of that back line. He takes it himself a little bit too much. Um, he needs to hold back a little bit and not sort of take on the line so much that early. Needs to hold back and wait until um, the defence is sort of sliding a bit too much and then he can go back in. And the defence, they were falling off tackles. Like, the Sunwolves, that team should not have been able to get through as much as they did and were just running through big gaps and having sort of hand tackles, arm tackles, just fall off them to get over the advantage line. And, yeah... I just don't think the Rebels showed up. It looked like they were still in preseason mode here. Well, hopefully, hopefully they get it together in the next week or two because uh, it's going to be a, a poor time to be a Rebel if you're coming off a zero and three start. Don't they have some trouble in their schedule early on? Don't they? Uh, they still have a little while before they're heading off, and um, they do had to. Canberra next week for the Brumbies, which isn't a nice thing, but then they're back home after that. Um, I think you're thinking the the Reds who are heading off to South Africa um, next week. No, the, just the fact that they've, they've gone to Japan and then they have to go to Brumbies. That, 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 it wasn't as much as the Reds, but I actually thought they had a New Zealand game in there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be pleasant. They're going to they're gonna face the Brumbies and tell you what, they're going to have to bring their, their best form and then some if they want to shake the Brumbies at home. I, I yeah. don't see that happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's keep moving. And another game that was a little bit disappointing, but there was, I think, still more a few more rays of hope in this game, and that was uh, the Crusaders hosting the Waratahs. 
obviously a tough, tough game for the Waratahs to head over and play this Crusaders team. As we said, they've lost a few, um, but doesn't look like this team's taking a backward step. Scotty Robinson still has his systems in place, and it looks like these new faces clicked in just as well. And you saw the likes of Young Guns, who had a few highlights last year, but look like they're, they're setting into make a bigger name for themselves this year with the likes of Will Jordan, Braden Ennard, both crossing for two in this game. Um, the Crusaders started fast and didn't really let the Waratahs back into it despite a few sort of heroic attempts from um, our young wing, winger, Marky Mark. Yeah, I agree. I think the 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 back line with someone like Richie Mowing are still in the fold. Um, some some experienced pair like Braden Enor and Jack Woody who played a bit together last year, so there's some familiarity there. That's a good platform to then have some some turnover in your forward pack. But again, these guys, most of them have played um, next man up at some point for the Crusaders, and their systems just keep developing this next generation as they come through. You get time off the bench, you get the exposure. They know the system supremely well. Um, they, they just didn't look like they'd lost a beat, as he said. Um, and, but you're right, there's some heartening science in the Waratahs, who, again, I'm a bit down on this year. I think they're probably third best in the Australian conference at best. Um, but, you know, Will Harrison uh, looked really strong, uh, really steady, uh, didn't, didn't get ruffled by a bit of, a bit of attention from the Crusaders. Um, he's showing his class as a young player, very patient, uh, good ball delivery and, and uh, kicking well as well. Um, thought he thought he had a very solid uh, kicking game as well. Only only missed the one conversion. Um, then obviously Mark Nawanga Nitawase, who had a brilliant debut. Some parents there watching him play, two tries, um, completely deserved. Like he was our little X factor player out there, making things happen. Um, obviously you know well set up, but still having a bit to do. Bit of uh, aerial antics that we like out of a winger these days, show, showing skills there. Um, other, you know, some wingers just go for the go for the low low body dive, and they wouldn't have got that. The, the Crusaders know how to shove you out of, out of play, but um, no, he, he threw his threw his legs up and did the did the aerial somersault, landed it down, and and kept the Waratahs interested in this game. Um, I think I think overall that backline performed reasonably well. Most of them having been present last year, so knowing each other's style of game pretty well. Um, but the forwards, the forwards is what I think really let us down. The The line-out was poor, which, you know, considering Rob Simmons is is the line-out specialist even for the Wallabies, supposedly, um, he he didn't seem to bring much and was, again, you know, I have a long history of, of talking down Rob Simmons, but he's now the captain, and I can't say I notice him all game. I don't. I don't remember him talking to the ref, managing the game at all. Um, he he threw himself over a few rucks. He wasn't very visible in in the lineouts. Um, not what I expect from a from a captain. So to me, that's a bit disappointing. Were you a bit upset um, to see that Robbie Abel got the start over your man Damien Fitzpatrick and the lineouts? I mean, the lineouts on both sides um, were a problem early on. A lot of inaccurate throwing and. That's something that we know Damien Fitzpatrick prides himself on. Yeah, well, when the both teams play their best hooker off the bench, you're going to spend 50 minutes chucking the ball to the wrong player, aren't you? Um, Damien Fitzpatrick, yeah, look, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
how they're selecting there. I don't know why we why the Waratahs would move away from the established combination. Tom Robertson, Fitzpatrick, Simmons, even Stanforth, you know, Hooper, Holloway, Swinton, Dempsey. They've, they've all been together for a while. Fitzpatrick had one of the top three uh, lineup success rates last year. I'd, you know, I'm not the coach. It's a new coach. He's, he's trying some new things. He obviously has um, big tickets on Robbie Abel. He's seen saying there that he, he wants to see develop further. But there's more work to do here. Um, speaking speaking with my Toby hat on, love to see Jed Holloway at eight. I think that gives him much more opportunity to run amok mm. uh, and and you know be that ball distributing forward like those those late passes um, that some teams have some forwards who can be that bit of a decoy that can still get the flat ball away short either inside or outside. Yeah, I think that's really valuable, and I think possibly Jed Holloway is our only forward who's really got that skill set um we didn't mention it in the brumbies and alan alatoa alan alatoa in that game had a great little offload um that's the sort of skills i don't really think the waratahs forward pack has uh outside of jed holloway so good to see him at number eight i think you'll get more ball playing opportunity there and and that's what we lack when we've got guys like dempsey on the bench uh we no longer have people like michael wells who are a bit more of a sevens uh skill set so uh, that's a positive. We look forward to seeing him develop more in that eight seat. Yeah, and I mean that there was, as we said, some good signs. I mean, Beal at fifteen was creating space. He was looking like um, he would be able to be a bit of a X factor for this team and create some opportunities there. And I think that's helped by the fact that Will Harrison looked pretty settled at ten as well. So there's not going to be any calls to try and move them around. Um, Dempsey did get on off the bench, um, made an all right showing. I think, yeah, he's he's probably got a start over Swinton. Um, I do like Swinton's aggression, but I think it may be a bit more better utilised off the bench. Um, I want to see more of that um, young Tizano. Carla mm, Tizano yeah, is really energetic. Like as well. Yeah, little guy. Um, back row of reserve for the Waratahs as well. I'm sure he's not that little. If he stood next to you or I... I'd... I don't think we'd say he's little. I'm um, pretty massive. I mean, he's 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 only 180 centimeters and 90 kilos. So, I mean, that's pretty much my size. <laughs> in your dreams. <laughs> uh, no, he he was impressive. Um, easy to pick out in his white headgear. Uh, and then we mentioned Jack Maddox had a try opportunity late in the game. Should have probably held it and backed himself mm-hmm. through the pass. What are you going to do? You know, obviously thought that was the best option. Maybe just being a bit unselfish. I think Jack Maddox has got the the physical attributes to take guys on one-on-one down the line. I want to see him back himself. And look, it'll be interesting to see if uh, I think Mark Nwangitawase has a good spot there on the wing. I think Alex yeah, Newsom probably has a little bit more to prove if he can um, maybe another game there, if he can cement his spot. Uh, Alex Newsom by no means a, a bad player. Uh, I think it's going to be very hard to keep Jack Maddox out of this back three. Yeah. And I think possibly the pressure's on him at the moment, even though he is the incumbent winger. Uh, and it doesn't say much for Cam Clark, who I don't know where he fits in in this team anymore. It's, yeah, they're it's all going to be tough. I, I, yeah, I don't see him coming into play, unfortunately. Mm. Now, we, we do talk a lot about the backs, obviously. I don't want to miss out the forwards. Um, one man I do want to highlight from the Crusaders was... Um, Tom Christie, the, the new number seven, and obviously big jersey to feel big names have worn that in the past, the likes of Matt Todd, the likes of Richie McCaw. Um, you think about Tafua, 
wore it from time to time as well. Um, but he was an absolute menace as well. Really hard on the ball, trying to jack at every ruck um, and got his fair share of turnovers as well. So I think the likes of him pairing with um, Fetu Douglas in that back row is going to continue to um, be a difficult sort of combination to, to keep out of the game for this Crusaders team. And and just another classic example of the Crusaders um, having, you know, some some interesting and creative uh, strategies and tactics that you know they're usually on the leading edge of the latest um, rugby rugby strategies, but they're always really dedicated to having that fetcher at number seven. They've always got a specialist there, and I just think it, you know, you pick the right guy and you you hammer into him that your role is to run a mark disrupt the ruck, steal some ball. Two or three turnovers can make such a big difference in a game. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, what what say the Waratahs lack in that from, from Michael Hooper doesn't tend to have that as a focus of his game as much as he used to. Um, it's sort of, he sort of ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. Yeah. Um, he's too busy trying he's... to clean up the mess the rest of his forwards make, defending <laughs> and covering all these tackles. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, you know, Reds have Liam Wright was very busy in the middle of the rucks this weekend. Um, even even the Brumbies had, uh, <laughs> was it Tom Cusack yeah. and, and Rob Valentini? Like, they were getting in there too. Um, you just want to go back and talk more about the Reds, Brumbies, don't you? Oh, look, it's I mean, just... they're, the, they're the highlights of Australian <laughs> rugby right now, so why not? But they're doing things right. That's, I've always... It's so hard to um, not speak highly of Hooper because he has such great skills and such great energy, he's a great leader, um, he sets such a great example, but it's just, it's just, I feel like he's not quite the right body type, he's the wrong mix of skills oh, we're back for a to this seven. I just, he's just not really a seven, what is he? Like, he's he deserves to be out there, but I think if you put him at seven and then you don't have the, the fetcher who's a bit, you know, a bit bigger and can muscle over the ruck, I just feel like you're missing something, but I don't know how you put that in and move him somewhere else because I don't know where he fits. He needs to be like a hooker or something. Like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you get him on the field if he's not a seven, um, and you can't afford to bench him. So not not at the Waratahs level anyway. So yeah, it's just uh, this something I have real trouble reconciling where he fits in that in that side. Mm. I know what you mean, but I do think it's it's partly the fact that of the players around him, and if you put Hooper down at the Brumbies where he used to be with that forward pack obviously being very solid all around everywhere else you'd see him be able to sort of play his natural game a little bit more and and not sort of feel that he has to cover extra bits and I mean I think there's always been a lot of pressure on him to do that and it's obviously lessened a little bit this year taken away the captaincy from him to allow him a bit of bit of less stress maybe on the field but I still think he, he feels it that he's he's pretty much the heart and soul of that forward pack. So, absolutely, and and it doesn't. Um, if if no one else is doing it, he's going to do it. If if yeah, no one's being a strong guy, leader, he's going to do he's it. He's just going to naturally um, he's gonna migrate into that it. role. Yeah. So it's be very hard to say focus on your seven specialist skills mm. and you know have a few games go where there's a few vacancies and or a few um, sort of. Um, few disappointing gaps in in the forwards play and try and keep him out of it so the other guys step into the breach while Mm -hmm. he's doing it who else is going to step in well 
Hooper's got it covered, but yep. no one's doing that fetching. Exactly. And we'll move to the last two games of the round and the biggest winning margins in both these games of the of the week. First, we had the Stormers hosting the Hurricanes over there at Newlands and 27-0. The Hurricanes couldn't take a point. They managed to get a couple of yellow cards in this game, but um, couldn't manage any points. And the Stormers just look... They look pretty elite right now. They've got that spine of Springboks players there. You've got um, Sia Khaleesi and Peter Stefter toyed and the likes of Kitsoff and um, Mbanambi as well in that forward pack that are driving them forward that are obviously still riding high after that World Cup winning performance last year. Um, you couple that with the likes of Yangtze's and Damien Willemser in the back line. They're steering this team around and, yeah, Stormers. They're going to be tough to beat this year, I think, especially at home in, in Cape Town. Yeah, they definitely look like the form South African side early um, with that momentum from the World Cup. They they have pretty pretty strong players across the board. And, uh, I mean, again, depth might be a question later in the season, particularly if they get a couple of key injuries. But definitely at home, they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. Jamie Roberts fitting in there at inside centre as well. So they've, where they had a gap, they've brought in someone who's a class international player. Yeah. Should should be able to find the, the pace of Super Rugby is probably the biggest challenge for him, but outside of that, he, he should service their, that team well in that position. Mm. The Hurricanes, who, you know, a lot of really familiar names, back row looks pretty similar to last year, minus Artie Sevilla um, in the starting lineup. Then the back line, I mean, there's all names we're very familiar with and, and couldn't lay out any points. It's pretty unusual for this team, but again, when we were doing our tips, I kind of felt like week one, no Bowden traveling you know fair distance for them that's that's about the longest trip they can do from new zealand to uh it's cape town for the stormers um the just it just felt like a bit too far i never would have predicted a zero point uh performance for them but certainly i thought they'd be they'd be beaten Mm. away from home and and they haven't traveled well at all here so uh yeah very interesting it's it's going to be interesting looking at their next um match in round two uh what what we're going to uh, expect from that team who didn't manage to lay out any points at all, um, particularly playing away against the Haguaras. What what chance do they have? Yeah, it just goes from um, hard to harder, doesn't it? Um, having to then travel to South America. Um, and yeah, it's just a bit epitomised that their forwards just couldn't get any go forward. The one time they sort of did late in the game, um, you have Damien Willemser pick off a cheeky little pass between... Boo's trying to hit Laomapi for the short ball and then sprint 90 metres um, to score a try. And, yeah, again, really disheartening for the Hurricanes. But, look, they're, they're a team that knows how to win and they'll get their um, systems a bit better Roger in back. place after a, after another week in training. And I'm sure you'll see uh, performance. Some at, points. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you won't see another nil um, donut on their side of the scoreboard next week, even though they are going to versus the Hagiwaras. While the Hagiwaras, biggest winning point of the round, were hosting the Lions. Obviously, uh, a team up until a couple of years ago were just like one of the top teams, one of the scariest teams in this competition. But they look like kitty cats now. No more Lions, no more Lion Rage. The Hagiwaras started strong. And, yeah, just picked up where they left off. Particular highlight, um, a young guy that 
I loved the look of last year. Domingo Miotti started off on the bench, but there was an early strain to um, Benicia um, that may keep him out a couple of weeks, but Domingo Miotti stepped in, scored the first try, converts in himself, and yeah, they don't look back from there. Um, the Haguaras still look strong in the forwards and especially in those um, outside backs as well. So much pace. Yeah, lot, lots of um, change for the Lions. Not a lot of change for the Haguaras. Starting the season at home, um, they were almost a better team, the Haguaras, than Argentina uh, last year. And mm. no surprises here. I, I didn't think the Lions would have much chance. But, um, you know, 30 points is a fair dropping early in the season. Some of those Lions players really need to step up and, and take take charge, especially when one of your senior players, Elton Yanchi, is like he needs to adjust his game to suit his new cast of, of teammates, um, make sure that they're keeping things relatively simple until they find their find their connections and um, get their communication right. It's obviously a you know, tough opponent to start with, um, I guess, you know, there's just not a lot of guys left in that side who who um, have much of a, a relationship. You got Manus Skirman, and you, you got a you got a serial pest at the ruck. That's yeah, about all yeah. You can he boast continues in the to hassle everyone. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. You so. go you go through the stats in this, and they just never really put anything together. Like the most any defenders beat was Manus Skirman with two, whereas you had. Um, Buffelli, Carreras at fullback and Moroni at 13 all beating seven um, defenders and there's a whole list of these guys that are just going through and absolutely dominating it and hats off to Matthias Moroni who's coming in having to replace sort of two of the more senior players in that Haguaris team that was the centres of De La Fuente in Orlando last year um, that were really consistent and he, and he showed pace, he showed poise and he showed just an ability to pick the gap and, and convert with a couple of tries of his own. So, yeah, good work to him, good work to Miotti. And then you always have the veteran like Creeby coming on at the end of the game and getting his little um, rolling mall try as well. So plenty of depth. That's what you keep saying this this um, episode, isn't it, Leo? It's about, it's about the depth. Yeah, that's right. Some teams have got it. Other teams are in this re- rebuilding stage. That's just a factor of the cycle. It's it's a natural thing to see at this this point in in the World Cup uh, process. So uh, still early days for a lot of these teams. I guess it, the the probably the message here for all of them, aside from perhaps the Rebels, well I guess even for them, the message <laughs> will be don't panic. Although I think the Rebels have more cause to panic, being that they don't have that turnover, they haven't seen that much change, yeah. and they've performed, um, you know, pretty poorly. Pretty poorly con- considering um, that they should have been well and truly heavy favourites against a, a Summers team that just came and blew them off the park. So yeah, that's week one. But uh, look, week two is going to be an opportunity for all these teams who've been thoroughly beaten to to step it up, find their way, review what went well and, and what went poorly. And, and hopefully some of them will find some success in round two and it all stays pretty even. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see a whole new sort of list of storylines start to emerge in these next couple of weeks. Um, definitely some early season jitters from a few teams. Um, let's quickly brush up on our Northern Hemisphere competition. The Six Nations did kick off, and uh, I'll just go through some of these scores. Wales, as you'd expect at home, dominating Italy, 42-0, another donut there. 
and Italy is going years and years now without um, winning a game in the Six Nations and um, bringing out questions of why why they continue to deserve to be there. Um, Ireland, they bring the pizza. <laughs> Ireland won a close one with Scotland. Um, good effort from the Scottish here, but um, Ireland managed to hold them out at in Dublin, nineteen to twelve, closest game of the round. Um, and then France taking down England. Love to see that in Paris, twenty four seventeen. And the French really they were on top of this game the whole time, um, scoring multiple tries early on before um, England finally got a look in. And really, it was only the personal brilliance um, of Johnny May really creating stuff himself to get two tries to give any semblance of respect um, to the scoreboard for this English team. Yeah. Uh, Trebian, c'est magnifique. Uh, Johnny May, bien. Uh, Farrell, merde. <laughs> any, any more French you got there? or That's, that's the uh, extent of your... Je suis <laughs> I, I think all of France would agree with you there. You are a big old pompomous. Um, no, no, I um, I, I can't remember if it was an offline conversation or we we may have brought it up in a in a uh, one of the two pods earlier this year. Um, I think this French team has a lot of potential. I think yeah. the World Cup they they proved that they were contenders, even if they were the um, maybe the stereotypical um, sort of hot and cold French. Um, it doesn't surprise me particularly with with the the recent uh, controversy around English players um, combined with you know World Cup defeat, maybe a bit of low energy, like hard hard to you know get yourself up again after a recent World Cup loss, and then try and come into the Six Nations and you know you're starting all over again. The French who always see themselves in every game, doesn't matter who the opposition is, they play like they're equal or better contenders mm. in the match and, and really good to see I, I'm really excited to see more of this French team Yeah, um, I used to always really dislike the French just because they felt like a bunch of um, underhanded cheats but I, I didn't feel like this, I didn't feel that way about this squad in the World Cup so um, yeah, they've got a bit of a new feel to them don't they? Um, yeah, it's let's, a little let's see bit modern rugby out of them Yeah, it's almost a little bit of that sort of um, Reds feel of them, sort of some of these young guys, but pulling together using some of the sort of natural talent. Um, I always talk about the guys like uh, Dupont and Natamak there. Um, But yeah, you saw even um, Olivia on their number seven got two tries in this, you know, six runs for over 60 metres, two clean breaks, some offloads. Like, yeah, they're they're starting to put it together and I'm, I'm really liking what I see from this French team. Um, Do you think they're contenders for the Six Nations? Look, I think they are. I think they've got a pretty good, um, pretty good schedule. They only they play um, Wales in Principality, which is their, probably their toughest game. Um, but they get to face Ireland at home uh, yeah, right at the end. That's what I was going to say. So that's that's a positive. If they're going to make their run, they definitely want to win that game, and um, they might not have to win the one in in Wales if they're. If the English and the Irish continue to knock each other around, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think they have a real chance. Um, we'll quickly brush through what your predictions are for round two and Six Nations before we get on to Super Rugby round two, um, and that's starting off with another close one. And this might be exactly what you're thinking with these 
other sort of big names knocking each other out. We've got Ireland versus Wales um, in Dublin. Ireland getting back-to-back home games here. Um, then Scotland's hosting England up at Murrayfield, which is normally where where the English do struggle a little bit, and the Scottish have played them very hard in the last couple of years at least. And then France get to host Italy. Well, I can tell you that last one is definitely going to be uh, the French over the Italians. There's no no um, points for picking that one right. Do you think the Italians might bring a donut as well as a pizza? <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Almost certain. Um, the the tricky one here, I think, um, obviously, Ireland-Wales, that's a huge matchup. I'm, without knowing a lot about um, the teams they're going to pick, like not knowing if the lineups are going to change this, this week, I, th- I think I'm just going to go the home team, the conservative. Mm. But I think the Irish are probably better placed than the Welsh. Um, they've had a, a tougher match uh, the previous week. Wales are coming on a high, but it's, it's a tough spot to play in Dublin. Um, the really, I, I've maybe feel a bit bad for the Scots, who I think are up to a, to a challenge. But if England have any fight in them at all, the loss to the French is, is what I expect will really fire them up. Um, they're away from home, so they've got to bring it in someone else's house. But uh, yeah, that's it's unfortunate for the Scottish that they've got to face the English after a, uh, probably an unexpected loss. When if these guys have have the energy and, and pride that they you know shouldn't have lost that match and should be better than that week to week, unfortunately the Scotland the Scottish may wear their wrath. Yeah, I think I think it will be a close game up there in Murrayfield, but I think you're right. I think England's gonna be very fired up and be feeling pretty um, embarrassed um, from their performance this week. They're going to gonna be out there for want, wanting a bit of blood. Um, but I agree. I think you picked it right there. Ireland at home, England on the road, and France, obviously, um, making it two from two. So that'll be a, a good start um, for the French. And, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a few more games from them. But let's go into round two of Super Rugby and let's brush through this. And the first game we get to see is the Highlanders. Obviously, had the bye first week out. Um, they get the Sharks coming to town. And that's down in Dunedin. And I think, look, you got to think the Highlanders are going to be up for this game. They've sat around for a week watching all these other teams get out on the park. They're going to be ready for this. Yeah, and the Highlanders who have had a lot of turnover, again, in the off-season, a lot of change. But... I think the key here is contain Kerwin Bosch. Uh, make sure he doesn't get a handle on this game too early. It's in your house. Play your style. Um, unfortunately, as we know, the Highlanders' style tends to be ball out of hand. They, they have a long history of doing a lot with very little possession, but uh, this might not be the game to, to offer that up. I think if um, Bosch gets an opportunity, he can distribute that ball well. I don't know how well the Highlanders guys who are relatively new mix will, will play together. Mm. Um, I think they need to consolidate and, and just keep the ball in hand, settle into a, a more uh, forwards-based game. They, they haven't got the Aaron Smiths and Ben Smiths um, combinations to work with. So, so you know, guys like Aaron Smith will have to stand up on their lonesome. Um, Josh Uwani, I think, is a, an important player in the Highlanders' side. Um, I want to see, I want to see a bit out of him. Um, they're they're going to be the key guys for me in this match. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it will be about possession in this one, which, as you said, is obviously not something we're used to seeing in the Highlanders. But holding the ball, um, making making this Sharks team do a lot of defending, 
Um, I think that's probably how you do it. We have seen the Sharks travel and play quite well in New Zealand, but without having seen what the Highlanders are going to bring in 2020, um, I'm going to take them in the first home game of the season. Good call. I think Toby was going to take them as well. Uh, that's nice of him. Um, let's go to the second game of the round and the Brumbies get to stay at home Friday night, GIO Stadium. Hopefully a little bit cooler this week and not too smoky with any of those fires around and the Rebels coming to town. Um, is this going to be another case of what you're saying with England? They're going to have to come back and fire up here and try and show that they're they're worth it? I mean, of course, they, they do need to do that. They need to put up a really good showing against the Brumbies. And it's not necessarily about getting the win. It's just showing that they're, that they're focused for the 80 minutes and they're... they're they're in the contest and and they can actually make some um, some connections between players and not just spill ball and look disjointed. Um, they may have a, a bit of difficulty playing a free free flowing game. There's predictions for rain on Friday, so it may turn into more of a forwards grind. And I think that just plays into the Brumbies' hands. Uh, I have no no illusions. I, I think the Brumbies are, are the strong favourite here. Uh, I, I still think the Rebels will struggle. I'd, I would like to see them put together a decent performance, even if it's a losing performance. I think it'll be pretty pretty bad if they can't put anything together in this match and the, and the Brumbies just roll them with the forwards. Yeah, if there's a bit of rain about, I can see that definitely happening and might see another bit of a lopsided score scorecard here with the Brumbies. Um, potentially even would be targeting a bit of a bonus point against the Rebels here. They've shown that they can score points. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right there, Brumbies. Um, going across onto the Saturday of the weekend, and we talked about two teams that did show a little bit more, uh, the Chiefs hosting the Crusaders, and that's down in Waikato. And I sort of feel like the Chiefs are in with a pretty good shot here. I think they're going to probably aim to name a bit more of a strong lineup here. I know there is still that uh, limitation on the All Blacks players not, not playing too many minutes in these first couple of um, rounds. Um, so, But I, I'm looking forward to this because it's two teams that, as I said, the Crusaders obviously still strong, but I, I'm, I'm tipping the Chiefs to um, get to the finals this year. So I think this is where they make a bit more of a statement and Warren Gatlin would love to knock off the Crusaders um, in his second game as head coach here. And it's a good time of year to play the Crusaders before they've had uh, too many games to get, get some momentum up. Um, the Chiefs, I, I will be very interested to see if Cruden gets a start this week. Obviously, big impact off the bench. Can they afford to, to hold off on using him? Um, being that he isn't uh, an all-black from last season... Uh, wasn't wasn't available for the World Cup playing overseas. Is he going to be able to play the 80 minutes and direct this team around? Um, look, if if he's starting, I, I probably I probably would tip the Chiefs by a narrow margin. It could probably go either way, but I I, I would be on the Chiefs by a narrow margin if if Cruden gets a start and they pick what we believe is their strongest lineup and and don't have to manage players too much. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the game to do it too. Like, if you have to minimise minutes in other games early in the season, this is probably the game where you just go all out because it's too valuable a win. Exactly. And, I mean, they do play the Sunwolves a week after. Obviously not the easy beat, but 
yeah, if you're needing to manage minutes, uh, there's an option to go harder versus the Crusaders. And hopefully we see Damian McKenzie back here. That's that's probably the tipping point. If we see, like you say, Cruden start McKenzie in there at 15, which is what we expect. Um, I think the Chiefs um, will have the firepower to knock over these Crusaders. Next we'll go to two teams, obviously, both with losses last week. The Waratahs hosting the Blues, and this one's up in Newcastle, so um, a bit out of town, but this continuing uh, this continuing the era of the touring Waratahs team um, up there at McDonald's Shone Stadium. What do you see happening here, mate? This is a tough one because both of these teams showed some promise in the previous round, in round one. Um, I think the Waratahs being at home, I don't know that they ever feel a really strong home field advantage. Like even, even when they were having to travel out to Homebush and play, it just never feel like they had a really strong history at any stadium. So home field advantage doesn't feel too strong here. But I think against um, opposition that is nowhere near the, the class of the Crusaders, I think if the Waratahs can um, put the good things of round one into place, again in round two and um you know just use that use that pivot through will harrison a, a little bit more i think he's a great distributor i've got um big expectations from him i think they can roll the blues who i still think just aren't a, aren't a complete unit not not the waratahs are, are complete either but the blues just don't strike me as a, mm. a team that's going to tour well this year they're a very similar sort of outfit i feel um the blues have some big names but not quite coalesce together and I think both forward packs um, probably not the most dominant ones in their respective um, countries in, in this competition so it is going to be a bit of a see who gets on top in that set piece in that close stuff and can actually get their backs and front football because obviously we know uh, both teams have some electricity out wide I think if you see someone like Maddox come into the starting lineup, which we, we may see um, that just adds to the Waratahs' fortunes. Thing he, he with sixty minutes, he can inject and and he he might be our our Rico or um, you know our X Factor player who off off the um, arm of Beal we we could see him rack up some points. Yeah, and if he does come, if Maddox does come off the bench, he will be faced up against Rico Iwani, so it'd be a pretty good competition to see uh, between those two. And obviously hoping to see a little bit more out of Rob Simmons's um, going up against um, fellow captain in the Blues, Patrick Tuipilotu. So two people that have represented their country looking to captain and lead their team from the front this week. But yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a toss-up, but just with the home field, um, just with maybe not the home field advantage, but yeah, the Blues having to tour and come across. I'm, I'm going to give it to the Tars, this one in a in a very close one. Um, I'm interested to see what you think of the next one because it's the Lions taking on the Reds, as we said, Reds having to head over to South Africa early. And obviously the Lions not showing too much, but Reds haven't been known to be able to tour that well to to South Africa. Are you going to take the gamble on them? I think they, from memory, they surprised us last year. We, we didn't expect a lot on tour. We knew they were a young outfit. And they actually went close to winning some games overseas. Um, look, I'm I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get uh, nasty with some trash talk and just say that the, the Lions are trash and I think the Reds oh. have the self belief. 
to to get into the lion's house and and give them a a real roughing up i think the lot you look at the lions if you if you call it neutral field the lions aren't beating the brumbies right the line the lions will get absolutely rolled by a superior outfit that is the brumbies and so if if the reds can just um get get their focus and play like they did last week at altitude in johannesburg i don't think the lions have have much chance the the big Reds forward pack will match the South Africans. They'll put pressure on Yanchies. I think the Reds back line is, is starting to find a way. Guys like James O'Connor and Patea will stand up. Um, I'm tipping a Reds win. I like it. I like the confidence you have in your in your men. Um, yeah, the, you're right. The Reds did surprise us last year when they went on tour, had a close loss to the Bulls, and then beat the Sharks in Durban, um, which I don't think we expected at all. So... I mean, they showed that they may may have a bit of the mentality there. I'm probably not going to go out on a limb this early um, in the season. I think the Lions at home in Johannesburg are a bit of a different entity. There, it's a really tough place to play. I think, I think um, the Reds will show some glimpses, but over the course of 80 minutes, I don't think they're going to be able to take take the W in this one. So right. we're all wrong every now and then, Arch. Well, this is what I do. I wait till you tip a South African team in a game and then I go against whatever you say for South African games. <laughs> with that said, the next game is the Stormers versus the Bulls and I think I'm going to have to agree with you on this one because I don't think after what we saw in the first round and what this Bulls team has shown that either of us are going to have any confidence taking the away team in the Bulls travelling to Cape Town. No, absolutely not. I'd... Um... And like you said, my South African tipping game is not strong, but um, the Stormers look to be the class outfit this year. Um, I think we had a similar game last year where I think the Stormers got absolutely buried round one and then yeah. became a strong side immediately afterwards yeah. and I had trouble tipping them all year. I think I think I can see where they're getting it now, like they've got all those spring box. The Bulls don't. Uh, for me, I think they back this up. This is two from two for the Stormers. Yeah, I think they got absolutely hammered, like, to nil or something last year to start off the year. 19-0 or 29-0 or something. we all thought, oh, this Stormers team is trash. But, nah, you're you're completely right. The Stormers team is is going to be a very hard team to beat away or at home, um, at home in Cape Town. Yeah, going to be too strong for a Bulls team that... Is going to need to score more than 15 points off the boot of Mornay Stain if they want to be in this contest at all. Final game of the round and the Haguaras versus the Hurricanes. And obviously we we touted the Hurricanes as they're going to be able to come back a little bit from that performance last week. But um, whether they can come back enough to put too much pressure on this Haguaras t- um, team that looks to be rolling into 2020 in the same way that they um, finished 2019 in Super Rugby. Yeah, I think really hard. Actually, the more I think about this one, I feel like the Hurricanes are the big bounce-back contenders um, of last week to this week. So uh, they're just they they're like they should have such a strong side, um, even even without Bowden this year. Like they're still class players, and there's a few holes in the Haguaros side. Like the, you said, the guys have stepped into the breach uh, round one. Can they do it again? Again, I think the the Hurricanes will be a better outfit than the Lions. I'm still going to go the Haguaras though. The Haguaras are uh, a good, consistent outfit. 
they're not they haven't had that much change they had a good round one they're still at home they have this draw where they get to have a few games at home a few games away a few games at home and i just feel like they'll string these together but i do expect the hurricanes will go all out if they're if they're down in late in this game um they're not going to want to leave um off the back of two losses they're going to be coming hard so as long as the Haguaris can contain them in the final 20 if they start really firing the ball around um i, I think the Haguaris can take this by probably just outside one score yeah i'm actually looking at this game as well um i do agree with you i think the Haguaris take it um but i actually reckon that it's probably going to be a pretty high scoring game in this i'd actually i'm just trying to find what the over under is um potentially for this um, can't find it at the moment, but I have a feeling that it's gonna they're gonna tip the over. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of points scored in this game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a sort of forty point game to sort of twenty eight or so. Um, sort of bounce back for the Hurricanes, but yeah, Hags just running away with it late in the game um, with just some of their outside backs. Um, but yeah, I, I do see the Hurricanes. They're not. They're just a team that's not going to be down for long. Um, you never see this team really take a backward step, and then they're definitely not going to let let the season get away from them too quickly this year. A good round though. Like it's there's lots of opportunities here for for teams to bounce back and and um, you know play off the good things they did in round one. So. Uh, and, and some good contests between strong sides. Like that Chiefs-Crusaders game will be a cracker. I uh, look forward to the Reds dominating in South Africa. And the final one of the round we've just spoken about, I think there's potential for points and there's um, you know bounce-back consideration for the Hurricanes. They're a, they're a mature side. They've got a lot of senior players from the All Blacks in and amongst that back line. They'll be expecting uh, to, to do better than last week and certainly not finish with a donut. Well, that wraps it up for round two for the Super Rugby and the Six Nations. Before we go, we'll just do a quick congratulations, obviously, to the Sydney Sevens over the weekend. Um, we had a couple of good wins, uh, both in the men's and the women's. Um, the Kiwi women's won back-to-back for Sydney, which is very nice to see them do. Um, very well played by them. And the Fijian men, I believe it was their first ever win in Sydney. Um, so very nice to see that as well. Obviously, didn't quite get to see our Australian men's and women's make it to the um, gold medal match there, but the women taking home a bronze, which was a good effort as well. Um, but we'll keep in touch with some of these sevens teams throughout the year, obviously um, keying up for an Olympic run that's going to be coming very, very soon. Um, but otherwise, guys, that's all about... Wh- but otherwise, guys, that's pretty much all we have for you this week. Um, remember to keep tab on what's going on with us later in the week and what's going on in Super Rugby. We'll have all the teams and all the breaking news coming out to you. That's on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod or on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast. Um, so make sure you like and follow that. Otherwise, obviously, you guys know where to find us. We're on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and everywhere else where you can get good quality podcasts. So make sure that you're subscribed to that and let your friends know to have a listen and see. Um, There is still room to join that running rugby pod pool on Superbrew. You're a little bit behind, but don't worry. There's definitely members in that pod that will 
let you get back in front of them. There's a few interesting picks been going on, um, especially this week. So make sure to jump on that, guys, and get involved. It's a long season. We're only one week in, and uh, some people some people are a, a bit uh, controversial in their tipping. Go hard on the underdogs. Uh, <laughs> Toby um, is uh, you know bringing up the rear, so there's plenty of room to chase him down and, and come for the top dogs too. <laughs> Well, guys, we'll be back with all the results from Round 2 and Six Nations and Super Rugby next week. But until then, keep on running. Run.